welcome everybody to our um, Trust Talks. This is the third in our series and I'm delighted to be hosting today's Trust Talk. My name is Frances Kingston and I'm a consultant here at Renaissance. I'm an ex-teacher and I work really closely with trusts in my day-to-day job. I've been with the company for five years and I know on a personal level and professional level, Natalie Fountain here today. So I'm really excited about having her here today. Um, The purpose of these talks is to talk to trust leaders, to um, explore their challenges, uh, find out about their successes and really, I suppose, how their trusts have evolved uh, to be what they are today. Um, I'm going to hand over to Natalie. Natalie, welcome to today's Trust Talk. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. Do you want to introduce yourself um, as to who you are and what your current role is? Yeah, hi everyone. So I'm Natalie Fountain and my role is Regional Educational Director for Wise Multi Academy Trust. And and where are you based, Natalie? I know where you're based, but you cover quite a big part of England, yeah, don't you? That's right. So we're a trust in the northeast England. So we are a uh, a multi-academy trust that serves four local authorities at the moment. So Northumberland, Newcastle, South Tyneside and Sunderland. Geographically, our um, academies, there's 13 academies within our trust. So we look like we're relatively close. The travel and distance between our two furthest apart uh, academies is an hour. So we can get there over lunchtime. And, you know, we we like the fact that... Um, we're quite close together. Um, our academy trust is separated out into three regional hubs. And so there's another person who does the same uh, job as I do. So my role is the director of the South of Tyne hub, where there's five schools, one of those schools being a special school for SEMH provision. And then we've got four schools in Northumberland and um three other schools in Northumberland and and one in Newcastle. So you can see the structure of of our trust there. And obviously this is made up of um, many schools that have grown over the years, but um, the way that the trust has evolved is quite complex. So do you want to, uh, for those people who are listening, just to explain what we can see here? Yeah, so this is just really uh, an oversight of the various roles we have within our head office or central team facility, so the wraparound services around all of our schools. So obviously we've got our CEO, Zoe Carr, and um, beneath that we've got an executive team of another four people, so myself and the other regional um, educational director, plus an operations director and a finance director, each of whom manage um, uh, you know, a significant amount of teams and people um, that filter through and provide the the wraparound services, of which, to be perfectly honest, we couldn't manage to mm-hmm. be without them. I think the biggest thing for our trust and the the biggest change, in a sense, is um, so five years ago our trust doubled in size overnight, and it was at that point that um, I joined the trust, and so that that additional. Um, level of or layer of leadership in a sense and the, the line management of our head teachers was probably the biggest shift in, in our organisation um, but actually it's allowed us to keep that intimate knowledge of schools and you know an understanding of the pupil population and also the staff so that 
that close knit and, um, you know, sharing of intelligence on a four or five school basis, which then allows us to bring that information together mm-hmm. really does help us to understand our understand our schools particularly well. I mean, you use the term wraparound. Is that for literally for each individual academy? Yeah, that's right. And obviously dependent on, you know, maybe the age of the building that the school that the academy is in or if there are particular staffing issues that are happening you know some schools might tap into it more than others at different times but we've certainly got the same hub structures for example um, finance linked offices for um, governance structures and so we try to link people to the same hubs so that then obviously my role um, in liaison with the central team um, is particularly the, the, the same people but in the way that we would bring the educational aspects or worries or celebrations back together on a weekly basis at the executive team, then the, the operations director and finance director and the HR do bring that intelligence as well for us to just, you know, maintain a really good understanding of what's going on at academy level. And of course, you know, you have that direct understanding being an executive head as well. Um, so that's when I first met you. I think it was probably over four or five years ago. And I know that your involvement as a hub leader as well was was starting to really grow there. But um, wh- where did you start to see the successes in your school, particularly with literacy and maths? Well, we'd always used um, Accelerated Reader and um, even in a previous role, so I was head teacher of a different school before the hub lead role um, outside of the trust. And we'd used Accelerated Reader and, and seen a lot of success in the amount of words that children were reading, the engagement and the, just really getting children reading would would seen that. But what we hadn't really appreciated was all of the analytics that sit beneath that mm-hmm. and how we could be using those in a in a much more focused way. So initially, when we first started, well, when I first started at the Trust, all of our schools at that point were using Accelerated Reader on a very basic level. And then in 2019, we had some um, some dips in our results that were pretty unexpected. And so then together as an executive team, we decided that we needed to come together and try to have a bit of a more focused and strategic game plan in terms of improving our reading results in some of our schools. And that's when we became in contact with you, really, and you offered, um, you know, a huge package of support for us all and got, you know, got everybody really reignited in using the, the the Renaissance products, but just in a more focused way to help us with intervention. And it was then that we really saw the impact at, at its greatest um, in relation to the outcomes for the pupils, really. And then because of the impact that we had in using those diagnostic reports or the growth, you know, reports we started liaison with parents through using the you know the products that were literally there at the touch of a button and we just hadn't appreciated before we then started to use um the star maths products as well so we use all of those products across our trust um but again i think that this year we're really in the situation where we think actually we're using them pretty well but we actually believe that we could probably be using them Mm -hmm. even better 
Mm-hmm. And I know that the reports, there are many reports in both Star Reading and Star Maths, as there would be in any product. But what is really clear that you want to do is that you're very strategic in the way that you then look at the data uh, and you'll get a finding and then you'll think, right, OK, how can we get that success? <laughs> As you've been talking, I can sort of feel that the the cogs have been turning and the successes are really growing. So what successes have you had um, to date? So we're now in 2023, so that's over four years ago now. We'd just like to reflect briefly on those successes that you've had uh, across the trust. Yeah, I mean, at an individual academy level and even drilling down to individual pupil level, I think that that is where the greatest success happens because you had children, you know, and we have those discussions with our head teachers or, um, you know, at um, all of our school leaders meet together as well. And we, we talk about those things there. And there's always those stories about the children who have done exceptionally well, who couldn't read and then are seeing huge success. So the impact on their lives is is brilliant. But more widely, um, our trust averages, uh, key stage one outcome, uh, key stage one and key stage two outcomes have always been above um, the national averages. We are really pleased with our phonics outcomes. And whilst that doesn't necessarily link to Star Reader, what we know is that the success that we have in the way that we teach phonics in our academies is then the precursor to the children having the success with the Renee, you know, with the Star Reader. Mm-hmm as they become more fluent, um, you know, not wanting to sound really big-headed or anything, but we've done pretty well in our um, recent inspections. So our last um, five Ofsted inspections were outstanding in every area. And, you know, it's it, it sounds a little bit too good to be true, and I don't think that we quite dare believe that it's true either. But um, you know, we're really proud of that and, the, you know, the strategic approach that we take to not just our reading and, and maths curriculum, of which obviously, you know, we use the Renaissance products a lot, but our wider curriculum offer as well. That's amazing. I mean, that is terrific to be outstanding. I always think of that word. What is it that you feel that has made those schools stand out? If you could sum it up, which I know is really difficult because we could talk about it for hours. What do you think? Is there any commonality across those particular schools that did get outstanding? During the, the period of closure from COVID, we, we spent that time wisely on our curriculums. And although we don't say that all of our academies need to use the same curriculum, we've got some overriding principles that we want to make sure are happening um, for every subject. And I, I really do think that the, the work that we did on our curriculum offer in every single subject and sometimes you know making some quite um not tough decisions but just but brave decisions uh, particularly about our um offer at key stage one and about how we're really going to focus on the basics and we serve quite a lot of our schools serve disadvantaged communities some of our schools are you know 70 or 80 percent um disadvantaged proportion so quite quite challenging communities and therefore we've ensured that our curriculum reflects that and the speech and language aspect so there's there's probably not one thing that I could put my finger on and say it's absolutely that but I think a, a team of committed people in all of our academies really focusing on the child and you know the children's experience. 
Absolutely. When you were talking about data before, I always think, obviously, we think about numbers, think about graphs, but what we're really talking about is children and their stories and how they've come to be and how you want to be better and improve. Um, And I know that your kind of mantra is about rapid school improvement. And you've clearly shown that through the um, anecdotes and stories you just told us. So Mm -hmm. I know that there'll be quite a number of trust leaders and school leaders listening in today. Have you got any tips around how they can work more strategically and collaboratively because I know often schools are spread apart and they're all very busy people but is there any kind of top tips that you would recommend to help with that? I think the 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 main thrust of what we wanted to achieve was around the consistency so even though we're not all teaching the same reading curriculum or we don't teach the same phonics program ultimately the children are tested on the same tests and you know at the end of key stage two so we wanted to make sure that we were getting the best out of the product that we were using and so in the introduction of um the different reports into our uh hub leader discussions with head teachers so strategically as an executive team we we decided what the format of those meetings would look like and what we wanted to have the discussions about So we knew that across all of the schools, we were unpicking the data to the same level of detail. Uh Because what we also appointed um, accelerated reader leads in each of our academies. And so their role, and you, you know, were instrumental in training those people up, was to make sure that the practical side of the quizzing and the star reader tests was all in place and ready for us to go so that, you know, the, 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 the process is really easy for the teachers. They don't really, like, you know, once they're registered on the system, they don't really have to do a lot. So so deciding as an executive team what we wanted to know and what we wanted to use the data for, and then looking at those same either cohorts of children or individual children at the next meeting that we had and the next meeting, so really bringing those to the forefront of, of our discussions, but also... Um, making sure that within our performance management or appraisal system that, um, you know, we talked about the data in those and, and we're using it with, you know, we use some of the tests, we use NTS tests as well um, and triangulating all of that that evidence. So I, I, I do feel that that is probably something that just made the data that was available at, on everybody, put it on everybody's radar in a okay. sense. And I know that um, there will be challenges. There are always challenges. I mean, we're starting a brand new year. I expect you probably know the challenges that are already, you know, there ready for you to face. You talk about um, tackling the source of a problem. What does that actually mean? And can you give some examples? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, I've talked about the inspections. I've talked about our trust average and things. But beneath that, there are schools uh, within our trust where we know that actually we need to be better at certain things. And we have the discussion about sometimes, you know, you talk about the bottom 20 percent or you talk about the children who aren't grasping things as well as they should. And we seem to have those repeated conversations about those same types of children or groups of children year on year and what we wanted to do was try to prevent particularly at the end you know once those children transfer into key stage two we wanted to try to have less of those children Mm -hmm. because we had children who um 
you know, have particular identified special educational needs where we we would know the reasons for their struggles. But there was still sometimes a group of children who just weren't doing as well as what they should have been. So we had some, um, we're a a research school as well. And so we've got um, quite a few skilled people who have been doing a lot of research. And we had some training on, on, I think they titled it Going Upstream, which I quite like the analogy of. And and really that, that helped us to make some decisions about the diet for those pupils in key stage one, particularly, so that we could hopefully try to stop having those conversations about the pupils once they got to key stage two, because actually we'd made some some really tough or, or brave decisions about, you know, what was most important for those children whilst they were in key stage one. And when we drilled back to the national curriculum, it's it's there in black and white to say, you know, if children aren't mastering the basics of reading and writing and maths, then that is what should be prioritised in order for them to have that broad and balanced curriculum, you know, when they enter key stage two. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't mean that our children in key stage one don't have a broad and balanced curriculum. They do, but not at the expense of of any huge gaps in in their learning in the basics. So that's, you know, that's really what we, when we talk about going upstream to try and, hopefully intervene that little bit earlier and and not be plugging the gaps when those children you know become a bit older mm-hmm. I'm just envisaging you like salmon leaping upstream now <laughs> but that 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 takes bravery to do that and actually when you know it is the right thing to do and you decide as a team collaboratively then that will cascade down and you talked about you know those your recent five schools getting outstanding that just doesn't happen by accident you know no. that takes um you know, um, dedication and commitment and also very being strategic in the way that you actually approach the curriculum because the diet's got to match, hasn't it, for them to be growing healthily. Yeah, and 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 we want to make sure that, you know, the, we want them to love primary school. We want them to, you know, want to come to school every day. We, we want them to just have the best time in primary school but we know that that is by giving them a good education and making sure that you know they they can read as well to to then be able to become independent in in later life Mm -hmm. and I know that you know you talk about being a hub and hub is not just the school and the closed doors you'll be part of that community you'll be so working so closely with the parents as well I'm sure you know you're you know, having them on your radar to make sure that you can re- they can be really involved in those early years in particular. In fact, all through primary school, we know how important parents are. Um, was that something yeah. you, you have to make a kind of a daily and concerted effort for? Yeah, and I, I think that's really where, although we use the, the Renaissance, you know, reports pretty consistently across the trust, how we use them might not necessarily be the same. So, for example, in the school that I'm the head teacher of, it is a it is a disadvantaged community, and so the parents don't really respond very well to us sending things out in envelopes mm-hmm. for them to interpret themselves. And so then, what we um, what we did was share them at parental interviews so that we could explain what that meant and how they could help. Whereas some of our other schools, um, you know, the parents would wanted that information that little bit quicker because they were actually asking us what can I do to help what can and so where we were able to use those reports to just send out for parents to interpret themselves 
than we did. So we're using them, but just in a way that suits suits Uh our communities the best. That's great. The fact that you have that flexibility to be able to do that, but you've got to know your parents, haven't you, to to know how to, um, you know, approach them. That's brilliant. Um, we're coming to the end of this of this talk now, Natalie. But at the start of this brand new new year, um, what hopes do you have for both reading and maths across the trust? Big question. <laughs> oh, you know, the, the, we were pleased with some of our outcomes last year. Um, not just at the end of the you know the key stages, but along the way. But naturally, a lot, you know, in a trust. With as many pupils as ours, there will be there's there's groups, there's certain children who are not performing as well as what we would like. And whilst it's not about their performance, you know, just on that top layer, we know that they stand a better chance that, you know, the better that they are. So we want to continue to use um, the diagnostic reports in a really focused way. We want to ensure that our teaching assistants are as up to speed with what those diagnostics assessments are, are telling us that the, the gaps or the difficulties the children are facing, we want to involve, you know, teachers and parents in a in a more focused way and really just continue to use those diagnostic assessments to ensure that we can be, you know, plugging those gaps and helping the children to overcome those barriers in order to succeed. Fantastic. Brilliant. Okay. Well, Natalie, thank you for joining us today. Um, I hope the audiences that are listening, and if you're listening later down the line, if you do have any questions directly for Natalie, please reach out to us at Renaissance. Um, But thank you again. And I wish you all the best for um, this term and the rest of this year and keep in touch and um, keep growing and keep striving because whatever you're doing, you're doing really well. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, everyone.